Hi, welcome to Sell Less, Mean More. I'm your host, Yolanthi Gabri. The purpose of Sell Less, Mean More is to move entrepreneurs away from a hard sell hustling mindset and towards a more holistic business practice. I'm so glad you're listening. I'm looking forward to sharing many smarts with you. Welcome to today's episode of Sell Less, A little bit of a preface to today's interview with Amy and Annalise, who are the directors of Roman Ward Family Lawyers based in Melbourne. I also have a vlog that's called Little Mirrors. It's kind of different to Sell Less, Mean More. Its preoccupation is on the integration of family and how having a family impacts on one's entrepreneurship. Originally, this interview was going to appear on Little Mirrors, but there was so much meaningful business content that I pivoted and decided to share it with my Sell Less, Mean More audience. A highly emotional and meaningful interview. I think that regardless of whether you're a parent, a papa, a mama, an aunt, a grandma or a grandpa, there's something about the essential truth of the interview with Amy and Annalise and their experience of pregnancy organising their business around their leave, returning to work and the challenges of a changing identity that you'll find easily relatable. I hope you enjoy today's podcast as much as I enjoyed recording it. So welcome, Annalise and Amy. Thank you. Good to be here. So ladies, you've both had wee babies in the past year. Would you each be able to tell me a little bit about your baby, of course their name, but importantly their personalities and what their favourite thing is at the moment? Yeah, so I've got little Beatrix. She is six months now and she's definitely a firecracker. She's a very strong-willed little lady and I suppose her favourite thing at the moment is just babbling. She's just constantly making funny noises, got her hands in her mouth because I think that allows her to make more interesting noises. But, yeah, that's definitely her thing at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Annalise? I've got Sebastian. He just turned five months the other week and he might be the opposite at the moment of, of little Beatrix that he's, he's pretty relaxed and chilled most of the time. At the moment, he's trying to uh, roll from his tummy to his back and he's about three quarters of the way there, but not quite. So he thinks he's pretty clever and then he gets a bit frustrated when it doesn't uh, quite happen. <laughs> <laughs> and so as co-partners in your legal practice, You both became pregnant at a similar time. Was this divine providence or was it just pure luck? How did that come to be? It's sort of been on our radar, both of us. We talked about it sort of two years prior about, you know, when we'd like to start a family and things like that. And obviously things don't always go to plan. And Amy became pregnant first and I was just about to start the IVF route. So we joked about uh, if it would work for me first round because statistics are pretty low on, on that happening. But we did joke about it and it did end up happening <laughs> a month apart. <laughs> when that happened, obviously you were both pretty chuffed that you were pregnant. But what was your first discussion about managing the business? Because you're obviously elated. But do you remember what that discussion was kind of like? Was it chaos? What was it like? It was. Like I remember we had a um, meeting booked because we were like, all right, start of the year, like, you know, 2020 was awful, COVID, like, let's get back on track. We had a few projects that we wanted to get off the ground thinking, all right, we're going to have all of this attention, you know, all of this energy this year to focus on these new projects for the business. And then I think between booking that meeting in and actually having the meeting, I found out I was pregnant. And then Annalisa decided to do the IVF. So I do remember that meeting. 
us being quite overwhelmed and just not sure how things are going to work and also being pretty naive you know these are our first babies and just sort of going like oh look we'll make it work it'll be fine whatever happens happens and being quite positive about it but I think it's probably thrown up more challenges than we had anticipated and you know we've been able to work through that like we're good friends on top of being you know co-partners of the firm and so we've been able to muddle through all of that but yeah I think we recognized the chaos that was about to come we just didn't know exactly what it was going to look like yeah and I think like a lot of aspects of pregnancy what you don't know actually helps you it's a bit like a lot of the aspects of business ownership, right? If you knew all the nitty-gritty little bits and pieces that would aggravate you, you'd probably think twice before doing it. But it's like nature's protective mechanism with pregnancy that you kind of don't know, so you have to wing it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that one of the things from that meeting with Amy, I'd, we both like our lists and we are both pretty organised to a degree. And I just remember we had like, by Amy, I think it was like a four-page list of like potential dot points of to-dos or to get information or to, you know, it was a very long list. <laughs> <laughs> what were the core things that you needed to put in place to keep Roman Ward running during your maternity leave? And how long has that maternity leave been? Yeah, so there were a few things. At the time that this all happened, it was just Annalise and I working in the firm. We didn't have any admin support at that time, although it was on the radar. And we didn't have any other solicitors working for us because the firm was quite new, just a year and a bit old. So it did entail us obviously getting some staff in place that we're going to be able to continue working on the files while we were away and learning about how to set up all of the different IT things that we needed so that we could sort of be monitoring things while we were on maternity leave having all the finances really in order so that we could sort of see how that was tracking while we were away. And yeah, crucially, obviously hiring someone with enough seniority that they would be able to handle any of the things that did pop up while we were away. Like we were going to be available, of course, but we might not have been able to be available a minute's notice. So they were some of the things I suppose that were on my radar, but they might have been. What was core to your objective for maternity leave family, apart from the recruitment of that key figure? I think just someone that, you know, fitted well into our into our firm that had the same approach about our values and our treatment towards clients and our philosophy. That was really important to both Amy and I and also sort of going on in the background was COVID as well. So we were still working from home and there were still lockdowns and things like that. So there were certainly, um, you know, other challenges going on. But I think that did help us because we were quite well set up for, you know, working from home, working remotely. And we did have good systems in place and, and procedures and things like that. When we hired our first junior lawyer in around June, we wanted to make sure that she felt part of the team and connected, even though we were working remotely and, and from home and things. So it was just learning how to be able to appropriately supervise and support staff as well remotely. And I guess in a way helped us almost set up for maternity leave time away. Yeah. How did your clients respond to the happy news? And how did you share your pregnancies if you did at all? Some people don't talk about it in their business in terms of before they go on maternity leave. Yeah, it's a bit of a mix. Some of my clients I did tell because we just have that sort of rapport and they were all quite excited and we sort of talked about it before I went on maternity leave. Others didn't really find out until it was sort of the time we were giving people notice that that's what was going to happen and we had a lawyer in place to take over. So we were, you know, communicating how their files were going to be managed and those people also really positive responses. Yeah, and I suppose on the other end of things, coming back from maternity leave because family law matters do have a really long timeline when are coming back to those clients and those clients are sort of now asking, oh, you know, how's it been and congratulations and things like that. So it's really nice. We've got some wonderful clients and they've been really supportive. Yeah, really similar experience to Amy, except I didn't end up 
telling that many. I had intended to, but I ended up having to finish up really quickly and sort of a few weeks earlier than expected and planned. So I sort of didn't get that chance to have that sort of conversation. So that was sort of had on my behalf by our wonderful admin, Hayley, and and things like that. And I did get some lovely messages that she passed on. So that was really nice. Do you think that your level of positivity and can-do-ness around your respective pregnancies was different working your own practice versus if you worked on, say, a Collins Street family law firm, a behemoth? How do you think that your experience of being in the law and now being parent is different working for yourself versus working for a big organisation? It is really different working for yourself compared to a big organisation. You just have more, I think, of an understanding of the juggle that is required and particularly when you're running your own business and you go on maternity leave, you're not really on maternity leave. There's so much that still needs to be done and you never know what challenges are going to be thrown up and you can't just check out from that. You still have to be available. You know, Annalise and I sort of, you know, had these ideal plans of how it would look. We'd go on maternity leave, you know, we'd have a few months clear where we wouldn't have to engage with the business and the other one would sort of step in. But because of what happened with our pregnancies and then our births as well and those early weeks, it just didn't pan out the way we wanted to. At the time, like it felt a little bit frustrating to not have the same benefits that a lot of people would have at a big firm where you just sort of go on maternity leave and, you know, a lot of people take a full year off and then they come back to their jobs and they've had that complete space to focus on becoming a mum and and transitioning into that role without having to think about work. I mean, it's not the case for everyone, but a lot of our colleagues, that's the arrangements that they've had. But reflecting on it, the benefits to me really outweigh the negatives of that because with the business obviously looking towards the future, I recognise the flexibility that's going to give us when, you know, our babies are a little bit older and we need to drop them to daycare, drop them to kinder, pick them up early. I mean, we're going to have all of that flexibility to fit in. So even though it's a juggle, it's sort of flexible for us to manage how we want to manage. So I'm really excited about that. So all of the challenges that have been presented to us because we're running a business are really going to pay off in that respect and that excites me. Yeah. Annalise, what are your views? I also think in some respects, like it was certainly challenging having things to do with the business and reviewing some work for the lawyers and things like that. But it also it was nice for me to switch off and, and have just a different change of pace. I think Amy and I are very similar and, you know, we are very driven and our brain is, is quite active and, and things like that. So I'm not actually sure how I would have managed or coped if I had had a full five months of no work or commitments. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't have that experience, obviously, but certainly the way it's gone, there were a few moments where it was obviously very, very tricky, where we we were both obviously really tired or, you know, Bub was being very difficult at the time and we're trying to have a meeting or, you know, our, our partners were walking around with Bubs, you know, in the house and things like that. And we were juggling it. But looking back, I'm really proud of us. And having gone through this, it'll make us better mums, you know, even just stuff for the future, like what people need to be supported and things like that, having, having a baby. I really resonate with your insight that having gone through the experience of having had a baby and actually during COVID, which I think made things more complex, has probably enhanced your already sensitive empathy bones. But also I really acknowledge that because of compressed time, already hyper-efficient female entrepreneurs, it tends to make them even more efficient. Like I feel as if having had a baby, I've become better at everything, particularly around my use of time. Because if there's something that I feel is awry in a business relationship or if there's something that I don't want to spend time on, my priority for my family makes it so much easier to make the call, you know, because there's just not that time to navel gaze or entertain values or cultures from other clients you might be working with that are not a good fit for you. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I think that's one of the benefits of running our firm, you know, that we can, you know, monitor those things and the type of clients and the values and things like that. Whereas in a big firm, you know, you have very little control over those sort of things. Yeah. And um, did part of your choosing to begin your own legal practice, was that informed at all by your knowledge that you'd like to have family? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was a big part of it. At most law firms and particularly legal aid firms, um, or firms that do legal aid work, there's really high volume of clients and it's really relentless. You're just working crazy hours all the time and there's not a lot of flexibility. You've got court dates, things that can't be missed. Even taking a day of leave is really quite challenging at times. If you're sick and you really desperately need it, you can't, you've got to be in court. So there's all of those sort of factors I think made staying or the idea of staying at a firm and trying to juggle family really, really impossible. Or at least, you know, I would have had to make compromises in my parenting that I just wasn't really prepared to make. So yeah, it was a massive consideration as to starting the firm for me. Now I'd like to like wind back to the beginning of your pregnancies just so you can give a sense to women like myself who, you know, they, they enjoy their work and they're used to a certain level of liberty and personal flexibility when it comes to what they do, when and how. How did you find your respective pregnancies? Did your workday change at all? What was the impact on you? For me, I had terrible morning sickness from about week six to 13. And I'd always heard about, you know, friends and family talking about it. And, you know, I'd always sympathize and things like that. But I don't think I realized just how debilitating it could be. I really had to change for those sort of six weeks or so the way I worked. I'd sort of have to do a couple of hours, then sort of lay down, rest, recuperate for sort of 45 minutes to an hour, and then sort of try and do another couple of hours and then another break and I sort of extended my day and there were a couple of days obviously where I I just couldn't get things done I I had to have have the day off and things like that and I think having the flexibility and obviously the support from Amy made a huge difference I don't know how I would have managed you know in the city a having to commute b having to be around other people and the fast-paced nature whereas again because of COVID we're at home so that definitely made things easier but it was tricky (laughs) Fortunately, after about 13 weeks, it just switched off and I was very lucky. I felt really good and well for the remainder of my pregnancy. It is really tricky because you don't realise just how much you feel like death warmed up. (laughs) I think the idea of morning sickness is like twee, as if it's just in the morning and it might be a little lady like vom, but it's not that. (laughs) No, absolutely not. And I wasn't even vomiting. It was just this nausea ride that would just, my head and everything was just part of the journey. Amy, how did you find pregnancy changed how your day looked? I was sort of let off the hook pretty light for the first part of my pregnancy. I actually, I did get some nausea, but it was mostly related to car trips and things like that. And it would just sort of, I'd have bouts of it through the day, but overall I felt okay. But I definitely had a lot of fatigue. I was exhausted a lot of the time. And so, yeah, similar to Annalise, like there were days when I just wasn't, you know, able to get things done and just sort of said, all right, look, I'm putting me first, you know, obviously trying to grow a baby here and there were a couple of days where I just had the day off and you know had a sleep in went for a walk you know tried to decompress and just you know do some of those self-care things that we don't usually do probably one of the things that Annalise and I've never really been good at is that self-care piece so we're trying to get better at that but there were a few days during the pregnancy where I just had to do that I was sort of forced to do that which was nice but yeah luckily we had the flexibility where it just meant you know I'd have to catch up on that work the next day or that night but it was nice to be able to work around that. It became more difficult in the second half of my pregnancy. We had sort of a high-risk pregnancy after our 20-week scan and I had to be going in for really regular scans 
into the hospital for monitoring, things like that. So that really threw things in the air. And I was also quite anxious about, you know, what I was being told by doctors about what was going on. And so that certainly made it very hard to focus on work at different points. I was really, really preoccupied. And then of course, because you're preoccupied, you're not as effective at work and then you get more stressed about work. So it's a bit of a cycle there and it was quite difficult. But yeah, everything sort of turned out for the best. But yeah, I suppose for me, the more difficult part was the second half of my pregnancy. And yeah, I definitely felt worse towards the end of the pregnancy. I felt very uncomfortable. Whereas yeah, the first first part, I think I got off easy compared to most women. So <laughs> when I think about if I was working in a corporate job while being pregnant, having to be on the train or commute, having to be in a place looking a certain way, or even with a small child, like even now I've got a 16 month old, with a small child having to relentlessly five days a week manage the sleep deprivation, even if you're in a functional relationship where both of you are managing it, it's still very taxing. I wonder at how women do it. And then I think, Hey, Yolanthi, don't wonder at it. That's the reason why women drop out of the workforce yeah. because they feel compromised, like they can't do their best work and they feel like the cost of childcare is too high and that, oh, well, it costs this much work for childcare and I'm earning this much, so why don't I just stop? Which is like the biggest lie that I think women tell themselves. Like when we take time off because of having kids, if we, if we do want to keep working and career might be valuable to us, if we take that time out, our career progression stalls, our learning like it stalls. So one of the other costs apart from the childcare costs when you have a baby is also that investment in yourself. And I don't think that a lot of women think about it as this cost is not only a great social experience for my kid, it's an investment in my future economic and business growth, you know? Yeah, lots of women don't go back, I think, for those reasons and don't necessarily consider that the second aspect of what you were saying and the uh, long-term impacts on their careers and, I guess, their financial positions as well, whether that relates to an income saving, superannuation, all that sort of thing. Which is obviously what you'd see all the time in family law, (laughs) all the time. It would be really useful if you could share a little bit of your respective birth stories with us because I think that, like, the best stories we see in Natural Parent magazine or on a variety of syndicated Mamma Mia style websites, they can be useful, but let's hear it from the horse's mouth. I'd love to hear a bit of your story. Yeah, I sort of wanted to have, I think the correct term is a normal physiological birth is what the doctors were saying. I was pretty committed to that, but because of Beatrix's growth restricted, so she was a really, really little baby and there were some concerns about the placenta. And so the doctors were adamant that she was coming out no later than 37 weeks and we'd be lucky if she got to 37 weeks, which she did. And she'd been sort of in perfect position for me to at least attempt labour naturally, no drugs sort of thing, which was my ideal until the week before and she flipped breech. And so then we went in for a procedure where they sort of manually rotate her, so the ECV procedure, and that was successful. It was a pretty crazy procedure to have someone sort of put their hands on you and actually flip your baby inside you. It was wild, but it was successful. And so they were like, all right, great, so go home, come in tomorrow and we'll induce you. So I come in tomorrow and, of course, overnight she has flipped breech again. <laughs> And look, by that point, I'd just been at the hospital so much. They gave me all these options. You know, we can try to flip her again. You can wait a couple of days, see if she flips back over the weekend. We can induce you next week. All of these options. But look, I'd just been through so much and given it all the energy I could. I was like, just book me in for the C-section. Like, please just book me in. I want her out. And so the doctors were amazing. We were at Joan Kerner Hospital Expert out west and they were fantastic. They booked us in that day for a C-section 4 p.m. 
which was wild. It all happened so fast, getting wheeled into that room. My partner got brought in, uh, you know, icing me to check everything's numbed and, you know, curtain goes up and next thing, you know, I'm like, have they started yet? And they're like, oh, yeah, no, she's she's coming out. Like we're, we're almost done. It was just incredible. Like on top of the euphoria of finally getting to see her and hearing her cry. I was also, I think, dosed up on morphine. <laughs> so um, that adds to the experience. Yeah, and she did really well. She needed a little bit of assistance. She was struggling to breathe, but nothing too major. So they had sort of the pediatric care team there. And she did have to go to special care for six nights because she was so little, which meant she was hypothermic and hyperglycemic. Um, so they had to get that under control and that took them sort of five or six days, which was pretty full on because I got discharged from the hospital before she was discharged and obviously when you've had a Caesar for any women out there who've gone through that like you're recovering from major surgery it's very very hard to walk and get around getting in and out of bed standing up washing like I couldn't do any of those things so it's very hard having to go back and forward from home to special care to breastfeed her while you're in that level of pain and discomfort was really challenging but yeah the medical staff were amazing my partner was amazing We were still in lockdown at that point, so we couldn't really have any family around to help, but we got through it. And yeah, like I think overall, it's still, even though things didn't go to plan, it's still an incredibly positive experience, I felt. It took a little while to get over some of the things that happened in that time period, but now I look back on it positively. Yeah, I think that a lot of the expectations or desires we go into that idea of our pregnancy and what our birth will look like they can be really double-edged swords because there's no control over what is going to happen. What happens, happens, and you don't really have a lot of control over it. And I think that postnatally, that's where occupational therapists and, you know, counsellor support can really help you realign some of the ways that you're thinking about your experience. Yeah, absolutely. Annalise, did you want to share a little bit about, about your best story? Sure. So I sort of had an easier and less stressful pregnancy to Amy until 33, 34 weeks. There was one night in particular, I just sort of got to 10 o'clock and I just wasn't feeling well. And I'd sort of been feeling off when I looked back probably for about a week. Um, I was still working and um, Amy had, had been on leave a couple of weeks and had been quite stressful in the business and we'd had a new solicitor to come on board. So I was probably stress related too and probably working quite long days. I rang a friend who's had three children and she sort of explained how I was feeling and she said, that doesn't sound right you know, called the hospital and I called the hospital and it was a wild Melbourne stormy night and they said it was about 11.30 by then they said you need to come in. So my husband and I went into the Epworth Freemasons in East Melbourne and it was 33 uh, weeks and five days and it turned out I'd been in um, PPROM or early labour for about two weeks. Oh, jeez. Go to the gym and I just kind of thought that that's maybe how you felt. Now I look back, I know that's not how you meant to feel. So they checked Bob and he was he was going okay and I had treatment to make sure if he was born in the next 24 hours he could breathe. And then I ended up having to stay in hospital for the next two weeks and I was sort of going in and out of early labour but it wasn't progressing over those two weeks. So it was a pretty tricky time because I was in a lot of pain and um, on complete bed rest, um, which is against everything I've ever, you know, a very active person. So that was it was very tough mentally and it was COVID as well. I was fortunate that my husband could stay but we weren't able to leave the room really or or the ward because of COVID. So we were stuck in a room sort of for two weeks. And then it was decided that I'd be induced at 36 weeks because the benefit to Barb and the the pressure on me 
outweighed the consideration of, of trying to keep him in any longer. So I was induced on the Saturday at about 7.30, 8am it started and things were really good for the first seven out of the eight hours. And I had an epidural probably halfway in, about four to five hours in. And then at um, around four o'clock, Sebastian's heart rate started dropping really dramatically and he had turned and they just said to me, we have to get him out. So within sort of five to 10 minutes, I just had to push and the support, the staff and the support that were there were phenomenal. Um, and my husband as well. And I just went to a place that I didn't know existed. And um, everything I sort of like Amy didn't want to happen, happened. I had to have vacuum, forceps, episiotomy. And he then, he had a shoulder, his shoulder got stuck and they did get him out and they put him briefly on me and uh, straight away you could tell he was not the right colour. So he, along like Beatrix, had to go to special care straight away with the paediatric team. I think we had like 11 people in our room and they had to sort of resuscitate him and stabilise him for the next few hours. And that was really difficult because I was still in bed because of the epidural. So I didn't really know what was going on that well. People were coming back and reporting, but probably like Amy with the epidural and the stress, I didn't really know exactly what was going on we'd already made a decision that John would go with um Sebastian no matter what happened so I didn't even know these organizations and places existed but the Piper team which is like an ambulance for babies came to the Epworth because they don't have a NICU there they only have special care and he had to go to the neonatal hospital so they came and there were about five doctors and uh, nurses and they were fantastic and they after the three hours they put him in like a crib and it's very confronting with all the tubes and the oxygen and all that sort of stuff and he came out black and blue just because of everything that had happened so it was, it was very distressing and um, they had to take him to the Royal Women's I was lucky it was actually so close and by then it was about I think 7 p.m and I did have the option to go visit him but I was just emotionally and physically exhausted and in a lot of pain and the nurses updated us straight away through the night you could call and speak to them and they told us that he was stable and the worst case scenario didn't happen fortunately and um, we got to meet him properly the next day about 8 a.m. So, and the staff the women were amazing there. So he stayed there for three nights and then he came back to the Epworth in special care for about another 10 to 12 nights. So, And how long did you stay at the Epworth yourself? We were able to stay there for five nights, which was great. Just, again, I think it was a week prior to lockdown ending. So it was really tricky. We couldn't obviously have family assist and that sort of stuff. So when we got discharged, because we're from Macedon Rangers, we ended up just staying at a hotel around the corner so that we could visit easy and didn't have to commute. And it sort of took the stress out of that aspect of it. I think that any experience, like any experience of birth from the relatively speaking less complex to the much more complex like your experience, they all have varied degrees of recovery and part of that is physical and part of that is psychological. And when you have a business on top of that, like you know that you're caring. I think that when you have a, a business, it's additionally complex because, you know, you want to care for yourself, you want to care for your baby, you want to care for your clients, you want to care for the people who work for you. It's like you've already got a couple of babies on the go and then you have another baby. And on top of that, I'm not sure if you experienced this either of you, but I remember after I had my daughter Agla, that first two weeks, because I had an elective fever, I'd never had oxycodone, I'd never had surgery and I'd never had um, heavy painkillers. And I think I underestimated the come down of the painkiller. I have depression that I take sertraline for a very low dose anyway, but I didn't know whether it was just the baby blues or if I was actually going into postnatal depression. But I remember those first two weeks were like 
even though I wanted to have my baby, I was like, can I do this? Can I actually be a mum? And I was put onto an occupational therapist really quickly thereafter who helped me with cognitive behavioural therapy wins that were just about integrating who Yulanthi is as like a big part of my identity, obviously my business, like who Yulanthi is as a wife and a daughter and a business owner and who she is as a mum because when a baby's born, a mum is born too. Like you don't know who you are. And especially if like, you know, we're all in our 30s, like we've got some level of competence, we've mastered a lot of things. I don't think I ever learned as much as I did as when I first had the baby. Like, you know, I've learned, I've learned so much so fast. How would you say that your recovery processes, both of you have been supported? A big part, which you just touched on, was psychological. I think the first two weeks, obviously, was survival mode in terms of me and my husband getting to the hospital. He wasn't able to breastfeed, so I was pumping exclusively. So that was a challenge to... So in those two weeks, I don't think I gave myself really any space to um, process how close we came to losing him or or the stress of of him being at the hospital. I already perhaps suffer from um, anxiety, which is managed with low levels of medication too, and I already had a a great psychologist relationship. So I got onto her really quickly because I was having at night in particular flashbacks and they were very disturbing. They were very triggering. You know, I couldn't sleep and I felt very real like I was back in the moment and she um, did cognitive therapy with me too about changing the thought process and, and things like that which really helped and I saw her once a week by Zoom for quite a few weeks to help me sort of process I'd say that trauma and that side of things as well. Yeah Amy did you have any things that helped you integrate yourself as a mother? Oh man Yes and no. Look, honestly, I think I'm still on that journey even now. I think it was such a whirlwind. You know, I just had Beatrix, she was in special care and Annalise, you know, went into prem labor. So I had to go back to work when Bea was 12 days old and she was underweight. So I was triple feeding. So like breastfeeding, pumping, and then giving her a bottle top up. Like it was just, honestly, I felt like for the first maybe six weeks, at least there was just literally no time to even think about that and it's really I'd say only in the last few months that I've started to think about those sorts of aspects and you know starting to figure out how the old me is different and how that fits in with Beatrix and you know our little family now I think going back to work a little bit more is a big part of that because it's just this outlet I suppose that I now have that's not just me and Beatrix me and Beatrix me and Beatrix day in day out And now that she's also on a few days a week being cared for by, you know, her grandma or my partner, I now have the space to sort of think about what that is going to be. Um, And she as well, like I think it takes a little while to get to know your babies as their personality emerges and to sort of imagine what that life is going to be like with them as well. So I really still feel like I'm on that journey, but I'm starting to feel more like myself. And I suppose for me, it was a really like I'm still trying to deeply accept how my life has changed now that I have this little bub and there's been moments of grief and moments of resentment and but also moments of just such joy and happiness and wonder and it's sort of the summary is I'm still on that journey and I don't know where that's going to lead me but I think that the integration is kind of ongoing I don't think that there's like a it's like oh now I'm integrated I would say that that feeling of resentment and grief, like one of the reasons I felt so lost in that time was like, because on a Monday particularly, I knew what my Monday would be like. Monday, it's out of my business week. Monday, this is what I do. But I was in bed and I had had major surgery and I had a screaming baby and I wasn't sure if they were 
getting enough breast milk. But I felt like compared to me that my husband looked like he was coping much better. Yeah, of course he was. He hadn't just had major surgery <laughs> and had grown a baby. But because I was so impacted, like, you know, by everything, I had nothing to compare my experience to. I think that it's so wonderful that we've each been able to express some of the more difficult aspects, the joy and the terror and the trauma, because I feel like one of the reasons that a couple of subjects on in my content, one being divorce and the other one being things associated with pregnancy, like I had my eggs frozen and, you know, unless you're talking about IVF, like any of that content that I write, compared to all my business stuff, that stuff goes off. Because women who are like us, who are perhaps to be professional and have had a lot of control as we come closer to the rawness of, of motherhood and, and building another human, there's so many questions that we have. And we don't have that same village of women around us who have had kids. You guys now have both. And that's going to empower you to take your business to a totally different place. And when you have employees who have babies, like, how amazing is that going to be? You're going to be able to help them. Because you know now, right? You know. <laughs> but I feel so privileged that you were able to tell me those things. I think they're going to be hugely helpful to other women. So in terms of how you think parenthood has changed you as entrepreneurs, tell me a little bit about that. I think um, one of the things for me was that I was already motivated about building a future and, and what that would look like. And I think it's um, inspired me even more to achieve those goals or set new goals. Or I think that's a really big thing for me. And obviously, you know, reevaluate what's important and, and, and what matters. But I definitely feel like even though I'm exhausted and, you know, some days are tough and I can hear him crying in the background with dad at the moment, that it, it definitely inspired me to um, be the best mum, the best lawyer I can be, the best business partner, friend. Yeah, I feel really refreshed in one way to hit those goals. Yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? Like just hearing you say that, like I've never been more exhausted in my life. <laughs> but in a weird way, you do feel really more motivated than you were before to achieve all of those things because you want to be able to model that for your kids and you want to be able to build that life for you and your family. And there's just a rawness, I think, that comes from becoming a mother you know like at times particularly in family law you can get a bit burnt out your empathy feels exhausted sometimes you, know, you do your best but it just is that way but I think that experience like becoming a mum and all of the emotions and things that you feel and you understanding again it does it reinvigorates you somehow even though you know you're sleepwalking through the days with no sleep so it's a weird conundrum there yeah I'm so proud of you two not only have you shown that you have been able to support each other through pregnancies that were different at different times. You were able to recruit, resource yourself, to be able to keep running your business throughout the early days of maternity leave. It's really quite amazing. So I'm really glad that you were able to join us today. And I'm going to include details about Amy and Annalise's very fine family law practice in today's show notes. If you'd like to find out more about they could how they might help you with any family law matter you have. Because if there's one thing that's for sure, Annalise and Amy, no family. Mm -hmm. Ladies, thank you for joining me today. Thank you Thanks so for much having for having us. us.